The Locals Only Podcast with Gavin Glass, bringing you the best new Irish talent every week from Radio Nova and Nova.ie. It gives me um, incredible pleasure and great excitement to uh, introduce to you Stano, the legendary Stano. How you doing, buddy? Great, thank you. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Um, it really, really is. You have a new album coming out in two weeks' time, In Between Silence, where we really exist. But you also have had your debut album just recently released on Another City Records on October 15th, Content to Write in I Dine Weathercraft. What the hell does that mean? I don't, I don't know myself what, even. What, what, did it, well, what did it mean to you back in 1983? Just when I was messing around with lyrics and poems and bits and pieces and putting words together already, the way I, I work with music, it's the same process. Um, just, you know, mixing different words with different ways and sounds, different sounds, and in the studio, it's the same process. Well, I really want to talk about that process, um, but first I want the music to do a bit of talking. Um, okay. And I've spent the last two weeks just kind of having a look up your um, musical skirt, and I'm just like... I, you were a character on the scene that you know you'd always read about in Tony Clayton Lee's A to Z of Irish Rock and all these, um, you know, books and history that I read on Irish music, and you were you were always there and always featured, and I'd never really delved in, but as a producer, I was just blown away at how ahead of the time it all was. So, listeners, my beautiful dreamers, listen to this. This is 1983. Um, what, what do you want to say about this? We're going to play um, Out of Darkness into the Dawn. It was Well, it was taken from my first album, um, Content, and it was recorded in the basement of Robert Emmett's house in... Uh, uh, is it... Uh, Raffarnham? Raffarnham, yeah. So really? Was, no, yeah. So, wow. And it was just a big room with a grand piano in the middle of it, and the natural reverb you hear on the piano is, is the reverb of the room. So, um, And our friend Roger Doyle, who um, I'd known... I was a fan of his music and I met him and he came into the studio and had a drum machine. The first time we ever had an 8, I think it was the first time we ever, um, an 808 drum machine was ever used in Ireland, so that was part of it. Wow, we're, we're, history is being made. All right, if you have headphones, folks, reach for them and if you're at the volume, turn it up. This is Stano.
Beautiful. If you just join us, it's Locals Only with your host, Gavin Glass, and I'm joined by Stano here in Radio Nova Towers, and we are having a little retrospective look at this um, bit of a living legend, Stano, uh, at your career. These um, This... This was from the Dossier label. We did, you did three records with them. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Well, that, was, that album was released on Scaff Records originally in Dublin. It was an Irish independent label. And then it was picked up by, in a Berlin label called Dossier. That was in the, the mid-80s. So I'd done three albums for them. So that's where that came from. And, and were they... I know you kind of sometimes shrug at the suggestion of your music being, you know, lumped into the experimental category. Um, you know, was that label... I mean, because... Back then, the studios were expensive, and the studio is your instrument. It's, yeah. You know, you, you, you more so than any other producer, really, um, at that time was, play, you know, using the studio like a, like a, a guitar yeah. player uses his guitar. Um, like, they must have been very supportive of that kind of music, because, you know, it wasn't, you know, massive chart commercial yeah. stuff. I mean, what, was, what were they like as a label to work with? I was great, because when I um, put out, I was in a band called The Threat, first of all, yeah. it was a punk band. And uh, we put out our first single in 1980. We didn't really know what we were doing. And, like, within three days, it had sold a thousand copies completely, you know. And just a bit of history behind that. Um, and then John Peel was playing it off the air for weeks upon weeks. And then um, we we started to record our second single, and Rough Trade then offered a deal with it for an album. And the guy, lead singer, he was a guy called Morris Foley, he was an English guy from London, about three weeks into recording the new single, I remember getting a knock at the door one Sunday morning and he was there standing in all these Harry Christian robes and he decided he didn't want to have anything to do with music. So the band just died. So a few weeks later, um, I had put an advertising in Hot Press with a friend of mine and uh, the advertising was anybody into punk rock and Bob Dylan. So we got these guys phoned up and um, I saw I met Vinnie Murphy and a few different people. So I was just sitting in his house um, he's playing the piano I said what are you doing he said just messing around and I kept hearing these melodies so the next day I went back with a tape recorder taped them and then listened through and went back to him again I said like that bit at the start like that bit in the middle and like that bit at the end or whatever and that's how I started to put the pieces of stuff together together and then there's a guy called Dave Clifford who ran Vox magazine and he'd done an interview with me and you know, a few years previously, I was writing poetry or just writing words, and I was working with, had two tape recorders, so I was recording myself, you know, going to the pub and going to the shops and, you know, recording the television and taps running. And he said to me, look, this this is called music concrete, it's a, you know, modern form of classical music, like I hadn't had a clue what I was doing. So the punk rock happened then, that was a catalyst for me to sort of um, experiment in the studio. So I'd, I'd just come across a guitar player or a bass player or a piano player and um, just go in the studio and see what see what would happen. They'd go in, they'd play. I'd edit it and um, bring in another musician. So that's how the, the songs evolve. So it's a, it's a sort of learning process of where the work comes from. I want to get under the hood on that, but let's take one more song. Um, this is from 1985's Daphne Will Be Born Again. Uh, Tell me a little bit this this song you've chosen. This was um, recorded in STS and it was um, recorded on the Fairlight computer. Let's talk about Fairlight. <laughs> well, explain, Fairlight was, explain to our listeners what a Fairlight yeah. is. Well, Fairlight was one of the very first samplers. Um, you know, everybody knows about sampling now. But years and years ago, you'd like I was fascinated when I came into the studio. Like on this track you're hearing here, it's basically a spoon 
knocking around the inside of a cup. So it had, a, I think, a second or a half second sampling rate that you could use. So it was the first time anybody could sample records. Um, it's where all the hip-hop stuff come from. Kate Bush done her album on it. So, and uh, U2, I think, um, they use it a lot. So Peter Gabriel. Album. Peter Gabriel, um, yeah. yeah. And yes, they all use the Sinclair, but... Is is it true that back then they cost the same price as a seven bedroom house? Yeah, I think it was a hundred and twenty thousand. I think, and that was nineteen eighty three. So wow, I mean, you could have won. And now, now, now you have an app on your phone that that does <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. what this thing does. Well, let's let's take it. Um, we're going to talk about because I've I've worked with so many musicians where I've I've had the stories of you know how you just get these voodoo hoodoo performances. But let's just have some music and then we're going to talk about the the creative process. It's Radio Nova. Radio Nova and I am joined by Stano here on Locals Only this week and just listen to that and the Sinclair and that it's you know like I, I, I could just hear Peter Gabriel um, I could hear Kate Bush's Hands of Love and you know this is 1985 Hands of Love didn't come out till September 1985 and I think you were sitting on that record for a little while so you know this is this is what I was saying. I mean, about you've just been so on the pulse back then in terms of production, and I've I've yeah. worked with various musicians. Tell me a little bit about your creative process because it's a, it's a, you know you were one of the first to do this kind of corralling sound and just collecting yeah. vibe. And the one thing about your music is that it's always always so emotional, even with right. these things that are just. You know, compiled from different. Anyway, you do the talking. How, how do you? Sorry, I don't. Well, 
tell the truth, I don't really know how I do it in the studio. Um, but basically, I if I find a musician that I like, I'll approach him and bring him to the studio. And the way the tracks, they they can work from anything, really. I could be um, working from a scratch noise or, you know, it could be a sound effect. It could be a melody that I hum initially. A guitar player comes in, he starts playing it. Um, and then initially, that guitar line would mean on most of my tracks, I'd probably have five or six guitar players, you know, two or three drummers. So the initial foundation that I lay down is probably disappears and it moves off in different directions. Like, I have a guy called um, Yane, he's a Dutch guitar player, and we were messing around with these unusual tunings. And you know about production, but um, we had this track, and every time I played it to somebody, everybody was saying, like, well, how did you record it? What mics are you using? What compression is on it? And there's no compression on it. And it's just the key that it was in, you know? So I don't really, because I'm not musical, and I am musical, but I don't know how to play anything. So I'm not sort of um, hemmed in by what style. Do you not play does. an instrument? No, I don't play an instrument. Get out of town. Yeah. Wow. No, I can. Well, I can pick up, play bits and pieces, you know. But I, I never learned to play an instrument because I remember years ago watching a piano player, and um, and then watching another piano player, and everybody has their own signature. And I realised that if I learned an instrument, I'd have a signature, and everything that would be laid on top of that would be, you know, coming from that area. So that's why people can't recognise one track or one album to the next album. They don't know how it happens, and it happened by accident. That's how it happened. So. Um, I mean, another example, a few years ago, I was um, in the studio and I had this idea. I got these um, drum loops, rhythms that I liked, and I bought in five drummers. I had Callum McKissick from My Bloody Valentine. I had Brian Downey. I had, you know, different rock drummers, jazz guys. So each drummer had come into the studio. They'd drum to the loop, but the next drummer wouldn't hear what the other drummer had done. Right. So I layered the tracks up. But when I was watching Pro Tools, looking at it, and you'd know about this as well, you look at Brian Downey, he's probably pushing ahead of the beat, a rock drummer's on the beat, the jazz drummer's behind the beat, and then you realise, but they're all in time. Yeah. But what most people do, and the ways people are taught today, they'd be looking at that and they'd be putting it onto the beat and moving forward and killing the soul in the Absolutely. music. Absolutely. So even though my music is put together in different things, it has a live feel to it, it has an organic feel to it. Yeah. So I don't, um, I love mistakes, accidents happen where a combination of notes clash and that would be that would trigger me to go to a different direction. Or sometimes that would lead on, I'd scrap the whole body of the song and I'd get this weird quirky loop and I'd repeat it and, and that would turn into a song. So I have a, an example is I have a classical piece called Sleep Robin, which we recorded with the Irish Chamber Orchestra. And I was out with a friend of mine, Billy Farrell, and I just heard this little sequence in the middle of a song. And I just said to Billy, look, can you loop that for three minutes? And he said to me, why, you know, just loop it for it. So I took it home, played it over and over. And then I met a friend of mine, Jerry Colty, who is um, teaching, he teaches classical music and he teaches in Trinity College. So he rearranged it. So he said to me, listen, there's a, a composer called Goretzky and, you know, this is the way I can do this music. So you're working with people and from different genres and different areas and they opened the door to a different place to bring the stuff. Like I was thinking strings and they said, well, you know... Goretzky does that really mournful... Yeah. 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 He's a um, Polish guy. Yeah. Polish guy, yeah. What was it? There's something... Oh, anyway, yeah. There's, there's one piece of his that, that uh, I love. I just can't think of it. It escapes me. So that's really, you know, the process that I, that I, that I work in the studio. Um, so I never really set out to write a song. I never really know what direction I'm going until the, the, and the track is finished. And I'd probably listen to a song maybe half a dozen times, you know, you know, every version of it. And 
nicking this down and pulling that down and moving this around and you know so songs um, would end up with maybe some songs end up with 20 instruments some songs had 20 instruments and none with three instruments so I just keep sifting through till I find it's probably the same you know about production you, you're, you're trying to find a key you're trying to find an opening a door that the track you know, becomes alive. You know, absolutely. Like, you know, so and the journey of getting there, to, yeah. and, and and the sacrifices. Right, right. We're going to kill that yeah. that eight piece brass section that we spent X amount of money yeah. on. We're not using it. Yeah. And, you know that. I mean, that can be very liberating, and you know, with art. But we will take one more tune, and then I'm going to have to take a very short break. We're going to go forward a couple of years. We left off at 1985. We are now in 2010 from the album Blind Sound and Chapel Lizard. Tell me a little bit about this record. Where well, were you at this stage in your life? Well, I just got back into recording and hadn't recorded in a good few years. And this was the first album that I came back and recorded with. So um, over the years, I became a painter and um, I started to sell a lot of paintings at the time. So that financed for me to build a studio. So this was the first album out of that sort of area. Stano's back in the ring. It's Radio Nova. It's Locals Only with your host, Gavin Glass, where I bring you the brave, the bold, the beautiful of what is going on out there in the Irish music scene. And we are joined by um, living legend Stano. This is Chapel Lizard from 2010's Blind Sound.
Yeah, beautiful. That is Chapel Is It from Stano. Uh, Stano, how many drummers are on that track? I think it's three or four drummers on yeah. that track. So um, That was the one I was talking earlier that came from them sessions of uh, mixing different drummers together. So. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Like It shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. Um, and we must give a shout out to the wonderful Colm Quirney on guitar and Donald Heskey. Who I know? What's his? Uh, what's Donald's wife's name? Yeah, uh, Kim. Kim. Let's Kim. say I'm always meeting Kim at the odd gig here and there. So if you're listening, guys, how are you doing? I used to do do a little residency uh, in their local a few years ago, and they would often come in. Locals only with Gavin Glass, bringing you the best new Irish talent every week. Radio Nova. You're welcome back to the show. It is Gavin Glass here, and I'm joined by Stano here in Nova, and we've been just having a retrospective look at. Um, the man's brilliant career and you know just l- listen there you've you've never compromised Stano it's always done on your own terms and like there's been just looking at the text machine 87 is the number if you want to get in touch a lot of love coming in um, there for you Adrian was saying that the tunes are out of this world but I got a lovely text in from Sparky and Ballymun saying Stano is a true punk artist he supports other artists for no labour or for, for no favour he supported the brilliant artist John Duffy in Ballymun many moons ago he drew John out and helped him push his work sadly John has passed but I want to say you are in the best company Gavin Sparky and Ballymun that's lovely yeah Sparky is a, a good friend of mine so I mean John Duffy was an incredible artist he was a friend of mine that we um collaborated together and we had um, three or four exhibitions together um, met John maybe 10 years ago and um, we began to work together to paint together but even though I helped him he helped me a lot because um, we had one particular painting um, John came up with this idea and he said look try and paint on one canvas together so the idea was that I'd paint on one half John would paint on the other half and see what would happen and for about a year nothing happened it was absolutely dreadful you know just, I just thought it wouldn't work and then John kept coming back and have a go again have a go again I remember six months into it a painting started to work so um, I went away then and he, he asked me again to do it again so I done the centre part of the painting and John done the outside I remember calling me one day and he said look I have a painting here and went up and it just blew my mind it was a combination between the two of us but the interesting story about that was John was a big fan of Basquiat uh, the New York artist yeah. And we had an exhibition in City Hall. Me and John had an exhibition in City Hall. And we knew the painting that we had made was a really beautiful painting. I still have it. Um, a lot of people wanted to buy it, but it's not for sale. It, uh, it'll go somewhere eventually, maybe into a good museum or something. You know, somewhere I'm going to keep it. Because um, it, it is a really, really powerful piece of work. But I remember John coming to me and saying, there's a guy up here, and he was standing looking at John's painting. And the painting was called Nothing to be Gained. And in the painting, uh, John had a book and it was, um, it was uh, these hobos that travelled across America and when they arrive in a town, they draw a house on a post with a little circle in it. That meant you were welcome here. A house with a square in it meant you could get work or a house with an exit meant you weren't welcome here. And the guy looking at the painting said, where did you get the title from? And he said, from this book, Nothing to be Gained. And he says, well, um, you know, Basquiat used that sort of book as well. And he says, yeah, it was Basquiat was my best friend. And I gave him that book. Wow. And that's where he got it from. And like John, we like he was so emotional, tears in our eyes, you know. But John was just, just you know, a powerful guy. Um, you know, still his work is still out there. I, I collaborate with him and, you know, he still has a great body of work. But, um, but out of that, another interesting thing happened. Um, I have another project called In Between Silence, which is um, I bring in artists and painters and writers and I get them to tell a story. I build a backing track 
And so I have Roddy Doyle and Enright Joe O'Connor, I have lots of different people. But a week before John died, I went up to see him and, you know, it was a very, very difficult conversation I had with him. And um, I said I'd take care of his paintings and, you know, so we had a conversation, you know, in general, it was very, very difficult. But he said to me, the biggest regrets that I ever had was never in the studio with you. Now, John used to say to me, look, I have this poem and I have, you know, this story here and maybe I'll go in the studio. And it's just one of them things that never happened. But the previous week I was in the studio with a guy called Brian Pam and we were having a break, having a cup of tea in between recording a song. He was recording a harmonica. Brian Pam, the harp player. The harp player. I know Brian. Hello, Brian, if you're tuned in. And Mary Stokes. Stokes, Yeah, yeah. First Lady of Irish Blues. So we were there just sitting down and having, you know, a cup of tea. And Brian said, well, me and Mary were travelling across America and we were on Route 66 and we stopped off at this Indian reservation. And... Before I said to him, look, don't tell me the rest of the story. And I opened up a random track, which I was working with this Dutch guitar player, yeah, and on these really unusual chords and, and, and tunings. So Brian went in, spoke this story across, and when he finished, it was like a film running in my head. It was just, you know, visually it was just, you know, the images that he was sending, the combination of the music. So anyway, I brought it home to my wife, who usually play all my mixes to and she works on film. And it was like a film without an image, you know. It, it just had that conjured up them yeah. images in your head. So then um, that week, John had said to me, look, um, you know, Peter was in the studio. And off the top of my head, I said, John, look, I'm doing the spoken word album at the moment. Have you got it in for me? And he said, yes. And two days later, he was in the studio. And it was the most powerful, you know, not self-pity, just really, really powerful words about his wife, his kids, his friends. It was really, really emotional. And... Um, Recorded the pieces and then Dublin City Council knew I had the pieces. So anyway, the process was we put a show on for John. I built the, uh, music around his back, built the stories and we had it in Ballymun. And I mean, Sparky would attest, you know, would know about this. There was, it was jam packed, you know, and the only way we could play it is images of John's painting came up and people were sitting in the dark listening to John's stories. And it was just so powerful, so emotional. And out of that, came in between silence which is what I'm doing now at the moment you know so John well, is still part of um, my work even now that's that's beautiful man I'm actually going to take something from that now um, and I tell you this album has been in the car since you gave it to me up in the studio a couple of weeks ago and it's it's like musical mm. volume Stano okay. it's just I, I found it it just really hit, hit a chord for, for where I'm at at the moment it's amazing thank you music the great healer this is Stano from the album Dream Like Silence Dreams in a Forgotten Place
Dreams in a Forgotten Place from Stand On for the latest record and that's where we're at with that um, tell me a little bit about this record it's um, it was a continuation from the story project um, that I'm working on at the moment so I learned a lot of that I have close to 60 stories now with uh, different artists and poets um, so I through the process of each thing I said earlier a person would come in they tell a story about something significant in their life. I wouldn't hear the story, and they wouldn't hear the music till we press play, and that's and they're done in one take. So that's the way we worked them. But within that process, I found that um, because it's a story, you have to bury music and dip music and, and warp music around. So in a way, it's a very delicate thing. The run what I'm at with the vocal, but a couple of the tracks that um, I was working on when I pulled out the vocal. I realised there was so much space and so much, um, you know, and it sucks you in and makes you think about, about life and, you know, about your own life and those situations. So I discovered that the space in between the, the tracks, and particularly that was recorded in, in Hellfire with Joe. And when Big I... Big shout out to Joe McGrath. Sorry, Stan, I have to yeah, give no, that man out. Uh, who, who who saved Orphan Recording, so I have to give him a big shout well, out. He's the, he's the engineer on it, so he's a brilliant engineer. So. He sure is. So, like, I mean, that was when we had Conor Lennon in playing the piano. I just, when we were setting up and we'd hit a chord, and I realised that the K in the room was some notes were 10 seconds, some were 30 seconds. So my brief to him was, don't play the next chord, wherever it's going to be, until you hear the decay of the next note. So that's that's where, how them tracks are built. And they're built over underneath Ableton. I had Ableton pieces, so I create atmospheres and then I strip them back to, to to what that is now. But really that came, all this is part of In Between Silence and, you know, that's John Duffy there. He's in, he's in them tracks, really. Beautiful. He, like he's, it's, I just love an, an artist that can just set challenges like that and to have an aerial view that isn't just, you know, can see it with that vision. Um, Stano, it's been absolutely amazing having you here. Um, where can people pick up um, with the new release of um, In Between Silence? And we also have the um, Content to Write in I Dine Weathercraft. That's also, I have two albums out this well, month. Well, um, In Between Silence, uh, this one won't be released till um, Dreamlike Silence will be released in two weeks, but you can get it on my website. But, um, um, Content to Write Night on Weathercraft is released on vinyl through All City Records so that's how it was released last Monday so that's available through them Well thank you so much Stano oh, um, I have so much admiration for you thank you for being here with me That's it for this week's Locals Only Podcast join us next week for more and of course catch the show Sunday evenings from 6 on Radio Nova The Locals Only Podcast with Gavin Glass Seriously addictive podcasting from Nova.ie and Radio Nova Radio Nova